0: what's up and welcome back to another fresh episode of the artist coaching podcast this is me joey Suki, back from my holiday as you maybe already have mentioned on my social media uh, i have left the netherlands the cold and really fresh netherlands uh, for the warm aruba uh, for 12 days i've had a lot of sun and i'm fully energized to get ready for uh, 2019 brand full um, well really full with new ideas. Um, I'm really excited to get things going again, and I started off this year's uh, content, actually, with a talk with one of the producers that I admire, well, a lot, I might say. I've been playing his tracks for over, well, probably 10 years. Uh, When I started DJing, I started playing his tracks, and I ended playing his tracks. So, I'm a big fan of his thing, and I think what you can learn the most from this conversation is... um, how to create your own sound because this producer really nailed it. He really nailed to create his own sound and I think it's really important for you guys to hear how he did it. Uh, Alongside that we also covered um, releasing on big labels versus uh, versus releasing tracks on your own and uh, having ups and downs as a producer and as an artist how to deal with it and uh, Rene actually really opens up about this and I think this is really interesting for you guys to hear from someone who is at the top of the industry. So, um sit back, relax, enjoy this talk with Rene Ames. I hope it's valuable to you. Enjoy. Yo, Renee, good to have you in the show. Hello, how are hey. you? All good, man. Are you? It's yeah, good. It's
1: funny to talk Dutch to a Dutchie, or yeah. to English to a Dutchie. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. You have to keep shifting, and that's yeah. my that's my life nowadays because I have uh, multiple international clients. I have to keep switching from English to Dutch, and yeah, yeah. You, you'll get used to. But you speak <laughs> yeah. a lot of English too, right? Yeah,
1: basically every day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially on email, probably. Up. Sorry again. Especially on email, probably.
1: Yeah, also email, but a lot of phone calls as well with labels and stuff, and and, and booking agencies and stuff. So yeah, yeah.
0: Where's yeah. your where's your booking agency based in the Netherlands? Um,
1: well, the 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 central booking agency is in Amsterdam. It's called Lee Wine.
0: Oh, so, it's Leonike.
1: Leonike, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I've, I've had her on the show as well. Probably like I think a year ago or something, maybe longer.
1: All right. yeah, yeah, she manages Eric E. Funkerman, uh, Lucas and Steve, you know all those yeah. guys. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm very happy with her. Yeah <laughs> don't, don't miss out Helene, so, <laughs> she's cool as well.. Yeah, yeah I,
0: I've, no, I'm not sure if I've met her. I've had a few email conversations with her. I yeah. think that's when we booked you and Funkerman for the party here in uh, oh, yeah. my hometown.: yeah. in Tilburg yeah exactly yeah. Uh, that's already It's also like four or five years ago yeah, yeah. anyway uh thanks yeah. for being on the show. Thanks for taking the time uh to do this um nice. It's probably not necessary, but for the people who don't know you yet, for the people who don't know your name because you've been in the industry for a long time um yeah. at least I've been playing your tracks from the beginning off since I started playing music yeah. um who who is Renee? MS? like where where did it all started for you?
1: Um, well, <laughs> like the very first the very first point where it started was like 21 years ago now. So that's 21 uh, years.
0: Oh shit! Then I was 20 nine. 21
1: years. <laughs> so that that was when I was 19 and I had my first release in uh, on um, on the World of Dance recordings. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, well, you know. 21 years ago, and it took off from there. Lots of practicing, and uh, I, I bought I bought my first gear uh, from the. It's called Heritage from my father's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called Heritage, right in English? Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, it's Heritage. Yeah.
1: And somebody dies, and it's not funny, but I got yeah. money from that, and I bought my first equipment from that when I was 16.
0: Mm-hmm. What so kind I, of equipment? Like, because I can imagine that at that time there was no software or anything. It was probably no, hardware.
1: Yeah. Well, I bought a, a very old Akai um, XL1000 sample keyboard or something, mm-hmm. which would only sample on uh, 12 kilohertz. Or, uh, tw- I don't know. was <laughs> 12 <laughs> bits. It was 12 bits. Yeah. <laughs> 12 yeah. So it was really old and, uh, and a Roland D50 synthesizer. And mm-hmm. um, I had an Atari Falcon um, with Cubase on it. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was really
0: old school. Was really. it like Cubase 1.0 or?
1: I don't know, maybe. It's a long,
0: long time ago. <laughs> it was old,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. It was a long time ago. But that was my first gear. And then uh, uh, an Akai NPC followed. And that was my, you know, the, I used that one as a sequencer mm-hmm. um, after the Atari. And then the software, I think, came, you know, the, the PCs yeah. with software. And that's
0: how how was that shift for you and maybe still uh because the techniques has uh yeah has grown a lot uh, yeah. shifted a lot actually how did that change um anything for you like what do you prefer to to use the more old school way of producing or the more like the, the software kind of things
1: oh the software
0: yeah definitely yeah
1: yeah it's a lot of less a lot of less hassle you know yeah it's, Back in the day, you had to, to um, you know, now you can work on like 100 projects at the same time.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you can save what you did, what you what you did on the synthesizers. And ba- back then, you know, you, you had to make sure nobody touches the knobs yeah. when the sounds change, you know. And you could work on only one project at a time. Yeah. Well, or you can, you, you can work on a lot of projects, but you'll
0: lose the mix, you know. Yeah. You have to remember where you... all the buttons were that's it so yeah it's
1: a little less hassle and everything sounds so good with with the with the software nowadays you know and uh, yeah Yeah. so I prefer this yeah
0: yeah I can imagine so 21 years ago you started off making music yeah and when did your DJ career started um
1: well that was you know I started practicing making music when I was 16 so that's uh, 24 years ago Mm -hmm. And I started DJing when I was like practicing DJing when I was 17 or 18 years old. And I had this old Akai turntable with, the, with, a, with a pitch control with a little knob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a CD player next to it without pitch control. And I kept on mixing the same, uh, the same records, you know, it was hardcore DJ Paul and Neophyte and all these guys, you uh, know, really? and finals. Yeah.
0: Was that also the style that you produced? Hardcore?
1: Uh, no, 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 that was more like techno and tech house because oh, okay. I was influenced by by Michel De Hay, Ronald Molendijk, you know, the guys who had the who played on in Nighttown Club back in the days in Rotterdam. So that was my, my influence. Okay. That's what I made. But I, I got the practice on hardcore music, you know. So yeah. I love playing. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So, and so. and what did it what triggered you to uh, start a DJing? Because it's it's a whole different discipline. Um,
1: I, I think because of my environment, you know, like uh, we went to our local club
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and that's where they uh, they had these hardcore parties back in the days with mm-hmm. the Force DJ team and the um, <laughs> DJ <laughs> Panic and you know those guys yeah. and um, You know a lot of my friends had turntables, so I got to practice there So it was just you know, and my my father was a DJ as well on a radio station. So, oh, really? you know the DJing part It was just like a natural thing, you know. It was, you know, and I had the luck that my environment was was DJ friendly as well. Yeah, exactly.
0: uh, Because uh, you were also studying at that moment, or? Um, mm, Yeah, while
1: while I was practicing the stuff, I was I was uh, I was um, on uh, yeah. They call in in Holland they call it Mm HAVO. So that's yeah. I think it's like I don't know (laughs) high school. <laughs> Over algemeen uh, uh, voortgezet right. onderwijs. Maar
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah that, I finished that and I was already practicing music, but I was also um, uh, a youth football player on a high level at Sparta Rotterdam and oh, really? Willem II and Dordrecht 90, FC Dordrecht.
0: Did you play at Willem II? Yeah, I
1: did. Yeah, oh, shit. that's my hometown. Yeah, it was a couple of months, but it was too much of a travel, you know. Did you play in
0: the first team or in like the
1: No, it was, yeah, first team of the youth. Oh, ah, so okay, yeah. Only wow. 14 back then and I played in the national youth squad and stuff. But uh yeah, that's what I did. Like that was my school and that was my situation. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because how was that how was that for you to uh because you didn't do like a follow-up study, right? Like no uh, university or whatever. Um
1: no, well, p- partly, yes, but um, after, when I was 18, I finished school, mm-hmm. school, and then I got to work, sell televisions, and sell uh, um, uh, radios, uh, washing machines, and everything, mm-hmm. and I did that for two years, and then I went back to school to um, study um, computer science, they call mm-hmm. it informatica in Dutch, I don't yeah. know how call it's called, uh, inf-
0: I, I think it's ICT or something?
1: something like that. I did that for a year, and then I I wasn't good at maths, so um, mathematics, how Mm do you call it? um, um, I started as a web designer, did that for two and a half years, and when I was 24, I got uh, into full time into music, I got the chance to work for Midtown Recordings, really. in, back in the days when it was still existing. Mm-hmm. I worked there full time in the studio for for years, and uh, and that's how I learned the basics.
0: Yeah, and you and you worked there as a mix engineer or everything mixing engineers,
1: creating their CDs, making tracks for several artists. You know, it was hard house, trance, uh, house, techno, tech house, everything.
0: So, oh wow. So that's actually where your music career kind of took off.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's where I learned to really produce music and I was lucky that I got the chance to to do that job.
0: Yeah, in a great studio.
1: In a great studio. Yeah, but I was talented, you know. I'm still talented, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I was talented. So that's that they they picked that up and I was willing to work for for really little money. Yeah. You know. My 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 friends they wanted to work for money. Also in the music business, a lot of my friends had dreams to work in the music business. But you know, a couple of friends got the chance to work in a studio like that as well, like for in, in Hollywood musical in Rotterdam. But the money was no good, so they said, "No, I would rather work as a as a this or a that." Yeah, he said, "Okay, give me a couple of hundred euros. I'm gonna work in a studio full time. I don't care. I wanna learn it. You know."
0: I'll be there. Yeah, I think so, that's the best mindset. You know, like. Uh, having some kind of internship, a paid internship or just a free internship, I think you learn the most from actually doing it. And uh, spending four years in a studio like that with people around you who have maybe more knowledge than you had at that moment, uh, it's a great way to learn.
1: Uh, There there was nobody that had more um, knowledge of producing music than me because that was my job. But... Uh. The knowledge these people had in Midtown was with how a record should sound and how it sells and how the industry works, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Like selling the records. Yeah. So for me, that was like a a good um, learning school, like productional wise, but also how the industry worked, you know?
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And did you also start building your network there? So starting to know new people?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Like, um, uh, what I learned in Midtown Recordings, I also use it in my home studio. Mm-hmm. And that was a different kind of music that I made. And um, like after one year working for Midtown Recordings, when I was 24, 25 years old, mm-hmm. I met the guys from Extrema, Extrema yeah. Music Festival. And, you know, they had an agency as well, and they had a couple of record labels. And I met uh, Peter Van Hel and Roger Dassa, You know them mm-hmm. probably. Um yeah. Bas Baatse, who is my who is my best friend, and he was my uh, how do you say that? When you marry, you have something who signs for you.
0: Uh.
1: Uh, what, isn't that <laughs> no. like the guy, the, the man? Uh, no, fuck. Best, my best man. Your best <laughs> man, yeah, of course. <laughs> my wedding.
0: Yeah.
1: So those three guys they formed Extreme Music with all the labels that Peter Van Hel had, you know. And I released music on on Extreme and got to play on the Extreme events. And that was still when, when I was working at Midtown recordings and, you know, there was a point that after two and a half years, I decided to, to quit at Midtown and took further steps with, uh, with uh, Peter Gelderblom, who's, yeah. uh, who's doing good things now with his Timazzo, uh company. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I started working with him. After two and a half years with Midtown, and also uh, kept working with uh, with Extrema. Yeah. And so that was the second step. Yeah. And that's
0: when you started making money from your own music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so yeah. at what age was that? 26 or? When I was
1: 26, yeah. I yeah. started to have like gigs here and there because I was with Extrema. Mm hmm. And I made sure I made like a like thousand or fifteen hundred euros yeah. a month on gigs, yeah. together with with uh, with uh, royalties. I I uh, I earned, you know, like every enough. quarter. So it was enough to live from. Yeah, yeah. So that was the basic foundation of what I do now. Yeah,
0: nice. So um, a long time in the music industry. Lots of uh, lots of knowledge. I can imagine. So you know, I've been in the industry for about. 15 years now i think um i've seen a lot changing in in the last few years what did you see changing and what did you what do you like the most about the changes in the music industry right now
1: mm, well it's more the change i see is the growth like like the scene has got so big mm-hmm it hasn't changed that much, like uh, with with networking or you know the the way the music is brought into uh, like the music is made. You know, it, mm-hmm. technically it 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 it's involved, of course, and yeah. but the basic strategy uh, strategy, yeah, to, strategy to yeah, it's a- to get there is basically the same. But yeah. because of everything is so big and so much new talent is there. Mm-hmm you have to be more sharp, more, yeah, you say that, that's, uh, yeah, it's it's just more
0: competition. So you have to, more competition. That's it. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's, that's, that's it. That's what has changed Mm -hmm. for me, you know? Yeah.
0: And how do you like the, the fact that you can like use social media and have all these, like you were mentioning when we had a talk before, uh, about your label that you actually have the option to have your own label right now and to release your own music. And how do you experience those things? Do you think it's a good thing that you can actually bypass the label, release your own music in your own tempo on the, your, on the date you would like to have, uh, on your own rules? Do you think it's a good thing?
1: There's a long story behind that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know you, you started with social media. I'm not, I don't like social media, to be honest, and I'm not really strong with it. I have to learn with it, uh, learn to, to use it, you know, still mm-hmm. after years that it's, it's, it's important for so many years already, but I'm not strong at it yet. Okay. Still. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, unfortunately it's important the 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 social media thing you know now instagram I, I like instagram though because it's easy to to do you know it's mm-hmm. easy to 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 make nice fi- pictures from the studio and from your gigs and everything and but it's so much hassle so much work you know facebook twitter instagram would you have more spotify i just started started spotify i should have two years ago you know what i mean that's 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 okay. how i am what well, you, you re- just started
0: having your own account there you mean or
1: um, I had my account for a year, but I didn't do anything with it. So it's, oh, uh, wow. okay. I just, I, I created my first playlist like one year, one week ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you, I know you should step that. You should step that game up.
1: <laughs> I know. So I'm busy with that. And regarding my own label, it's, um, like I said, before we were recording this, uh, this, uh, mm-hmm. this interview, um, I set it up because I want want to have a label that I'm I, I want to be able to like you said release music whenever I want mm-hmm. but not everything on my label because my label is still small and you know it costs a lot of money to good, to do good promotion so mm-hmm. I treat my label as a when I have a release gap somewhere mm-hmm. which is not very uh, nice to have because it can cost you DJ shows and 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 your name is going to get down if you're not there with a release uh, yeah. once in a while. So then then I put it on my own label when I have a release gap. Mm-hmm. But I still try to get my release on the biggest labels like Two Room and and you know uh, I want to do something on Sola. I want to do something on on Relief again. You know it's been a long time since I've been on those labels. Yeah. So yeah. That's why I have the label to, yeah. to keep there, to keep my name there. But, you know, it's, it's still important to have records on the big labels.
0: Yeah. yeah. And do you like the fact that it's, that it's possible? Like, uh, because that has changed in the last 20 years. 20 years ago, you were relying on only the labels, you know? Like they were in charge yeah. of when your music got out there. Right now, you have the option to do it yourself.
1: Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy to, to set up a label right now, yeah. but it's very difficult to get it big, you know?
0: Yeah, sure. But you can also just release your music through websites like TuneCore or DistroKid and uh, like not run a label, but still get your music out there.
1: Yeah. I never tried that. So I don't know very much about that topic, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, quite it's quite the yeah, same. I have, yeah, I have, I have my label with LabelWorks. Mm-hmm. And um I just upload my tracks with the artwork and some info and they distribute it to all the the, the big stores and streaming yeah. platforms like Spotify. It's, it's Be- the exact
0: same. Exact tracks, same thing.
1: Everything. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Perfect. So I do it with label works then. <laughs> yeah. Ah oh, perfect. Yeah, there's there's like probably a dozen of platforms who, who yeah. deliver those kind of services. I, just I, see the
1: label, the, I see the labels growing, you know, the, the Beatport followers is, is, is growing also on track and stuff, you know, so I see and the income is increasing mm-hmm. steadily, but it's increasing. So the label is growing and I'm happy with that. But, you know, if you want to have like like fast growings, you have to spend like 700 or 800 pounds. Yeah, it's marketing on, budget. On marketing and PR and I, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not poor. But I wanna. I don't wanna get poor, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if I'm Good a, point.
1: A, yeah. 800 pounds every release. Yeah. You know, it's, it's too much money. So it's. Uh, I just let it grow, like steadily and slowly via my own uh, social media channels. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's how I'm doing it. You know. Yeah.
0: Okay. And um, like during all those years, that's the thing that I'm that really makes you stand out from the crowd, in my opinion. Um, and that's why i think this is important to hear for everyone who's listening or watching right now um yeah. like i said i've been playing your songs from the beginning and even when i listen back to your songs from 10 15 years ago and i listen to your latest release i can still hear this is a track from Renee. yeah um and that has all to do with the fact that it's your sound and yeah. i think people who are watching and listening right now probably recognize that same sound. The one thing that a lot of people are struggling with, um, a lot of producers in particular, um, is creating their own sound. Yeah. The big question always is, are you able to actually develop your own sound by thinking about it? Like, okay, this is, I I need to think of a certain sound which I'm going to create or is it just something that's, that grows organically
1: I think it's the second part mm-hmm. you yeah. you mentioned. It's um I I was always a very you know, my sound is very acoustic sounding, you know, the drums and everything. It's always it's not too electronic, you know, it's yeah. it's just a clap
0: mm-hmm. from
1: a nine oh nine or eight oh eight from a sample pack and put it on there so like like many records you hear. Mm-hmm. It's just like that. So it's it's okay because there are hits with with, yeah. with just more well, claps, you know, it's about the idea. Mm-hmm. But if my sound is defined by a lot of hip hop beats you know so i'm using the 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 neptune sample pack for my drums that's for great, over yeah. f- for over 15 years now <laughs> 15 years i'm i'm using the same sample packs so i know exactly when i want to have a certain clap or a certain kick where to grab my samples from and i know exactly how i mix them you know yes. because that's, that's a, that's that's my trained ear yeah and my taste is very hip hop influenced and I put it in house music and I use hip hop samples and, you know, so that's how my, my style was developed. It's, it's just one way of mixing. It's just one way of, of using my ears and there's just one way of listening to samples and knowing how they sound in a beat. Yeah. You know, This is always the beat that sounds like me. It's not the use of sounds like the synthesizers, but it's always about the beat in the bass
0: so it's actually because you because you have been using the same sample pack over and over and over again, um, that also helps, of course, uh, to the fact that your music always sounds the same, as in has the same the same samples included, which also yeah. helps to create your own sound, of course.
1: Yeah, like 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 I want to give an example. I have to make a. Right now, I'm making a new uh, online studio tutorial mm-hmm. for Sonic Academy. Mm-hmm. And normally when you, I I did some tutorials before, normally when you do a tutorial and you use samples from another sample pack from another manufacturer, Mm -hmm. they have to clear the samples because they want to give it away or whatever, you know. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But for this uh, tutorial, I had to use samples from Sonic Academy only. Ah, okay. But those are all sample packs I've never used. You You know, know, of course, I've used them for a wash or like... Like some hi hat or whatever, you know, just some tiny things. Not that the samples are bad, but I just use my own sample packs. That's yeah. that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a uh, like a palette with colors with paint, which I don't know how to paint with. You know? <laughs> so I I did a beat right now, but I'm not confident. You know, I'm I'm not content with the beat right now because I had to use the samples. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So that's what I mean, you know, Get so, the,
0: so you actually never update your sample.
1: Uh, of course I do for tiny bits and sometimes yeah. I hear something in a sample that's similar to what I hear in my own sample packs, you know, that's, yeah. it's just, a, it's, it's rather the trained ear that's important than the sample pack itself. And then with your trained ear, you use the same sample packs over and over again. But sometimes you combine things from that well-known sample pack and that, and so yeah. it never sounds the same. But because you know how to mix all those elements, it, yeah. it's it's like me, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah it's very hard to explain. It's very hard to explain. Yeah, but
0: it's interesting because I think it's it's uh, it has to do with two things, you know. Like one is of course the gear, like wh- which samples do you use, which clearly yeah. is the same one over and over and over again. That helps to create your own sound. But at the other t- at the other hand, it also is um, your trained ear and the thing that you would like to hear, like your own taste. Yeah, because yeah. you handpicked the samples that you like. You could have chosen a few other ones, but you've decided to choose this ones because they sound the way you like it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if That's you, awesome. yeah, mm-hmm. I have a before I go in the studio, and I have a, a clear picture of a, a beat how I want to have a sound. You know, every morning um, I have a new beat in my in my mind in my head. That's really? It. Oh, so I always start the morning with a new beat. Mm-hmm exactly where to grab all the elements from and then in the afternoon i'm i'm going to look for the beats like uh, i'm going through all the beats i did for uh, in that week or that month mm-hmm. then i create some idea and samples and and make a, make a track out of it yeah
0: oh fun it's that's like oh, that's a whole different pattern that i've heard before
1: yeah sometimes i start with an idea with a synth and then grab another beat yeah. or make some new beat it just depends on yeah that's, that's the way I want to start my morning, you know, to get that feel. You know?
0: And do you make music every day?
1: Yeah. Every yeah. single day? From Monday till Friday, wow. eight hours a day. Well, not eight hours a day anymore because I'm studying now again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So make it five, five hours a day. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. What and do I st- did, <laughs> I'm doing that from, from my 24th year already. Like, like, for, like when I was 24 yeah. years old, I started with that. That's um, 25
0: years right now. No. In
1: in total, no, 21 years for tw- a living. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oof.
1: Yeah,
0: it's a lot of hours. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Imagine how how long it takes to develop something like that. But like I said, 10 years ago, I already noticed. I think it, the first tracks I played were the, um, "My Barbie," which I really liked. And you, like last year or two years ago, you did a remake, right?
1: I did a remake of it, yeah.
0: That's so great. But also the synths that you use are really, it's not standard, you know, like it's not like a a standard synth. Is there something you do differently with that? Um, Well,
1: yeah, it's, its um, I always like like raw synth steps and stuff, you know. It's a lot of samples, a lot of samples, but also sometimes a VST synth and, I always put distortion on it, uh, ring modulators, uh, envelope shapers to make it sharp and short and stuff. And uh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's how I I just fuck up the sounds. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I do. I make them very raw. Yeah,
0: you know, but raw. in a good way, you know. Like I once heard, I don't know, I can't remember where it was, but I once heard from a producer that the human ear actually likes to hear uh, distor- distorted sounds, like broken sounds. Somehow the human ear likes to likes that that sounds that's sound. the
1: key. my success that's the
0: key i think i think <laughs> if you if you think about it you know like <laughs> to me as well like if you listen to uh if i listen to samples as well i like the more crushed ones like the more broken ones i yeah. don't necessarily like the really clean samples no. maybe it's a matter of taste i don't know but Once heard it before that someone said the human ear is is designed that it actually likes distorted sounds more than it does clear sounds. Not sure if it's true, but I heard it somewhere.
1: Maybe yeah. Well, that's the coming back to my like talking about my beats again, my sound. Mm -hmm. My beats are always like a little bit crushed and distorted as well. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You still still use Cubase right now? Yeah. 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 Uh, I started off in Cubase as well. Really liked it. Yeah. I, well, it's
1: not that I don't like other software, but I'm used to work with it, yeah. so I'm not going to change a winning team, you know? Yeah, I I'm not to... always winning. I must admit, I'm not always winning. <laughs> Good topic, maybe, to talk about as well.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's a great... It's. I think that's an interesting thing. I think for for a lot of people who aren't in the music industry that deep, or who are just getting started, if they have a look at guys like you, like guys who already made it, or had like big tracks and make a living out of music
1: yeah
0: it's really easy to get the feeling that it's really easy you know like making music and you wake up and make music and there's a big next big hit ready to go um but how often do you actually like finish a track release a track uh how much how much of your time are you actually happy with what you're doing and how much gets uh trashed
1: uh well i think I think I have to talk about the last ten years then, because I think everybody goes, like all artists, goes with they experience times of ups and downs. You know, mm-hmm. like ten years ago, that was a really, really big up for me. Mm-hmm. I made I made some really big hits, mm-hmm. like uh, "Strike Me Down," you know, and uh, and had a couple of good tunes with Peter along together with him. Mm-hmm. So. I was still with extreme music then, and my my career took off like I was flying to different to three four different countries every week mm-hmm. and um that last for like that lasted for like three or four years then I left extreme music they they uh, they stopped extreme music, so I had to go with, with one management back then mm-hmm. and it was still good but Times changed back then, also music wise. So I was still doing good doing my releases on Tool Room and stuff, you know, but mm-hmm. I didn't have these big radio hits anymore. So I wasn't earning the big bucks anymore, the big money, you mm-hmm. know. But I was still doing good. And that point lasted all the way to now, mm-hmm. you know. I, you know, I have some some hits here and there on Tool Room, you know, with Mark Knight and Green Velvet. I did live stream one year ago. Yeah. And I had a couple of uh, records like uh, Like It Deep on Two Room as well. And we had Lore together with Ferrick Don on, on Spinning Deep. And I had some other cool records on Suara recordings and stuff. So that's good. But um, so sometimes I really have really big downs, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden, out of nothing, well, you haven't done anything special. Like last year, I had a really good 2018 with lots of shows in different countries and... You know, uh, I was doing good financially wise as well. I had nothing to complain, but I didn't do anything special for over a year, one and a half year. The last one and a half year, one and a half
0: year, I didn't do anything special. But what's special in your opinion? If you talk about special, what's special?
1: something special is a release on two room or one of the other big labels you know i had one release on on, on green velvet's label on uh, on relief mm-hmm. but it was really was a release on a compilation mm-hmm. and it's not that i didn't want to do the that good music where I, I didn't get the chance to get a release on on two room or whatever big label but right now I'm starting to get back in the studio again. Like there wasn't no, there was no flow. There was no Renee Ames in the studio anymore for one and a half years. I don't know why. Yeah. So that that took a a good a good reality check last week. I had a good reality check. So what what did I do? One last one and a half years, I was playing PlayStation when I didn't know what to do in the studio because there was no flow. Yeah. That's not the right way to do it. Don't go, and 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 do some PlayStation whatever. Just figure out why you you're not making it in the studio. What's the reason? Yeah. You can find the reason why it's not why it's not working. So yeah. that's what I did last week.
0: And, and now you found the reason.
1: Yeah, the reason was that I was lazing, uh, lazy. I was getting lazy.
0: Really? Okay. It
1: started, it started one and a half year ago. Two years ago, was I had a really big dip, mm-hmm. and I worried about that. And when you worry, you're not crea- You're not creative. Your creativity mm-hmm. goes down when you're worrying. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that changed. That period changed my way of working. I was not motivated anymore. Yes. That got my way of working from 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 that point on. That that was my way of working. Being lazy and not, you know, being lazy and not and not um, motivated anymore. That was my way of working, till all the way till a few weeks ago. So now I'm doing good. I'm yeah. doing really good. I have nothing to complain. But there was a time with. If I stay working like this, it's not going to work. So yeah. I have, to, I have to stay in the studio, listen to other producers, what I never did, watch other studio tutorials, I never did it. You know, make a plan on paper. So that's what I did. I made a plan on paper, what to do to get back in the studio, to get motivated, and now I'm there. Let's see what happens this year. Yeah. Nice.
0: And did you figure this out yourself, or did you did you had a coach, or like? No.
1: <clears throat> I um I started studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, again uh, computer informatics okay or informatica computer mm-hmm. uh, science i don't know how you call it in english and it has a part that's uh, um, bedrijfskunde mhm you know how you call it in, in english Um
0: business business school
1: yeah yeah you, you you the first part of the of the the course is about how how a business is set up and how to make a plan to have a good business Mm -hmm. and how to read business models and stuff you know Mm -hmm. and that set me thinking oh i have to do this for my own situation as well i'm not a business but on the other hand i am a business you know
0: yeah that's that's the thing that's interesting because that's the way i see it i really see being an artist as being a business but yeah, Because you you kind of had the same path as a lot of artists, other artists have had as well. Like you started off as a hobby and it, it developed into a business yeah. s- smoothly. Like that took years, you know, yeah. it didn't happen in a week. Yeah. So when did you realize, I'm running a business here. I need to make money. I need to do this. I need to do that. Ago. A few weeks ago. Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was doing something, releasing music and... At, like years ago, everything went with a finger click. Like, oh, I made a track. Uh, Two-Room, Suara, Spinning, whatever kind of label. They liked it. Oh, here you have it. Sign it. That's it. And That's you it.
0: never thought about anything else?
1: <coughs> no, I was just doing this. And wow. I, I never thought about the business model. So now I, I, I wrote down on the paper a mm. few weeks what I didn't do right. And what to do right if you want to get up there again. Mm-hmm. Just write it down. Also, like for new talent or guys who, who are not there yet and who wants to make a li- living out of it, write down what an artist needs, in your opinion, and then um, like see if it matches your 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 bad your bad habits or your bad points. You yeah. know, write down what you're doing, what you're doing wrong in your opinion. Mm-hmm. Compare them to a list of what you have to do to get up there and get DJ shows and stuff. Yeah. And then see what, and then make a plan like, oh, these are my, my points, I'm, these are the points I'm doing wrong. Yeah. It's got what I'm going to work on. So for me, that was make a Spotify list, make a DJ mix every month. Um, in the studio, I have a whole new way of working Wrote written down on paper. Yeah. So follow all these steps which you have to do to, to get up there again or to go, get up there for the first time. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But I think that one of the biggest pitfalls, at least I had that, I had it a few times and I listening to your story, I guess you had it as well. Staying motivated and staying triggered, um, to get going with the music is difficult as in you have these big ups and you have these big downs and it's really hard to get yourself going every time to, to get back in that mindset, to get back in that mood, um, what really happened for me, and I'm not sure if, if you've already dived into it deeper, but what really happened, uh, helped for me is figuring out what triggered me.
1: Yeah.
0: And that maybe sounds a bit too vague, but I started listening to like, my body, like what's my body telling me? And I noticed that when I'm listening to podcast episodes, certain podcast episodes, uh, or when I watch mu- uh, music documentaries, I get hyped As in, I get all the energy, you know, like I feel like, okay, I need to go, I need to go, I need to do this, I need to do that. And so I I started noticing those things help me to get motivated and to get me in the right mindset. Uh, So I started listening to podcasts every day, every morning when I wake up, I listen to 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever I can get in there. I listen to a podcast and it just instantly helps me to get into the right mindset.
1: This for me is the same. Like I I am I'm an Instagram addict mm-hmm. a little bit too much. That's also in my plan, by the way. Don't yeah. do too much Instagram anymore. Don't watch it too much anymore yeah. because it distracts me from what I'm doing. Yeah, you
0: start procrastinating, uh, like.
1: Yeah, but you know, I'm, for instance, uh, this morning, um, I'm a really big fan of uh, of uh, Dennis Ferrer mm-hmm. and his deep housey housey techy sound. Yeah, and I saw a little clip of a event he was playing at and he played a tune i was like wow man (laughs) i have to do this as well like and i that changed my mindset again like right let's go in the studio fuck the studying uh, part the course which i normally do in the morning Mm -hmm. i study but no i was yeah i have to go high i was high sick so that's what you mean as well like uh, yeah,
0: and I yeah. think that's important, you know, as soon as you know what gets you off, like what triggers you to, uh, to get that energy flowing again, as soon as you find that out, that's really important. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I've had a period, uh, as you've mentioned, I've had that the same thing. Like I've also been into the studio for, well, I've actually not been in the studio for like a year or maybe a year and a half where I just didn't know what to do. I just yeah. became lazy because the gigs came in, uh, like I fl- flew over the world I didn't really find a reason to make music anymore and I didn't really felt like it because I wasn't really challenged you know I yep. wasn't I wasn't really yeah I didn't know what kind of charm t- to do
1: yeah yeah. That, that's that's just a small part of my problem sometimes it's, uh, yeah yeah you know uh, for some reason my music didn't sound good enough last year you know I had good releases there, like I said, live stream and and, yeah. and the release with uh, with uh, Dunn called Duncan, Duncan on uh, on Armada Subject mm-hmm. did well as well. You know, those were good records, but somehow I didn't know how to let my records sound as good as it normally does. You know, yeah. so and you know now it's it's getting back there bit by bit. So it's uh, in my opinion, but I think so, it, it's going to work. So
0: yeah, well the the.
1: I also wrote down a goal. What, what's my goal at the end of 2019? Mm-hmm. I want to have the same amount of shows that I have in 2018, because mm-hmm. it was a year. But I want to have more records on the good labels. That's my goal. How am I going to do that? Wrote it down, plan made, do it, be be confident, and lis- mm-hmm. do a lot of A being, listening to other tracks as well. That's mm-hmm. what I never did. I just... You know, I was confident it's my record, it's my sound, I'm king, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. But that's how it works. So I I'm listening to another to two other tracks now as well. I did it I did A being like for the mixing part of my tracks, yeah. but not for the sound and you know, what's hot and what's not hot right now. So
0: Wow, yeah. and it's so great to hear, man. Like I I really didn't I would have never guessed that you didn't thought about the business side. Never. Um, Well, okay, you know, I had some questions from um, the people in the artist coaching community Facebook group as well. Uh, So if you're uh, okay with it, let's dive into those and uh, see what we can get from them. Yeah. One of them is, how many tracks do you produce per year and how much of them do you actually release? Uh, And there's another part to the question, how do you maintain a constant level of quality? So. First, how much track do you release and how much do you actually get released?
1: Well, I'm, I think in average I make one track a week,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes two, sometimes one in two weeks. But I think uh, the amount of tracks I really finish is like four per month, three or four. And then once every two months, there's one track that a label wants to have. Wow. So <laughs> if that answers the question, <laughs> that's okay. it. You know, I'm producing every day and I make a lot of like basic setups for tracks and stuff. Yeah. But like one out of ten um make it to to, to, to uh to finish it. And then once once it's finished,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's not even sure if it's going to get released. But so why I, not
0: why not release it yourself? Because it must be a good track, you know, like
1: well sometimes it's not. You know, it's just not. You know what I explained like earlier, and yeah. like in the middle of the 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 interview, it's, it's it all depends. It's just sometimes. you know sometimes it's just not good. If you listen to to the track like the next morning, mm-hmm. a lot of times it sounds like shit. You know, I don't yeah. know why, but it's just it just happens like that. It's just one one track every two months. It's it's good for a release, okay. and then and then it's still not a hit. You still have to, like, see what happens. It's, yeah. just, it's also a matter of luck, yeah.
0: Okay, and um, does but a Booker really help? And do you think it's worth to have one?
1: Well, there was a second part of the oh, question. Oh, yeah,
0: sorry. How do you maintain a constant level of quality? Yeah. That's hard. I think that's, that's, that you do that automatically because you have a, a, a certain level of quality for yourself. Like what you define is quality. What's good enough? That's what you automatically maintain.
1: That's that's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. It's that's the way that, I see it. It's also a lot of luck. Like, you know, it's just like a lottery. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have these elements from from my own sample pack for 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 the trademark sample sample series on mm-hmm. on Blue Room. Sometimes I have a loop from that and i have some crazy some crazy programming with hi hats and, and and congas and some sounds from the from the neptune sample pack and that's quality at that time and it stays quality and sometimes that doesn't happen for 3 or 4 yeah. weeks it just depends it's uh,
0: sometimes you know, it just all fits together like yeah yeah you
1: just, it's just some luck it's a lot of luck yeah
0: okay um and does a booker really help you and does it uh, do you think it's worth to have one
1: um, yeah, a booker helps because they have the network mm-hmm. with clients, and they can sell you in a package with a with a lot of other artists. You know, they they can sell like to to a festival. They can sell a package of five artists, and you're one of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, <laughs> but that's 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 a good thing about having an agency, and they uh, they can help you with all the hassle, the contract, the payments. You know, yeah.
0: especially the payments. That's the thing I always hated. You know, like chasing people to, for the payments. That's
1: yeah. Well, now, now it's just like uh, when they do a request or a booking and they want to confirm it, they have to pay the whole amount of money before I go. And if, yeah. there's, if the whole m- amount is not on the bank account, I just don't go. Yeah. It sounds really like, uh, whoa, he's a big star and stuff, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. That's what an agency is for as well, like a booker.
0: I don't think it's a weird and thing because... You have to deal with a lot of people from all over the world, and uh, with a lot of costs beforehand, like flights that need to be booked, hotels that hotels that needs to be booked. Yeah. And um, if they screw That's you the over. That's part of if you're already there. Yeah, exactly. And if oh, you sorry. and and if they screw the you internet over. Internet is. <laughs> oh? oh, sorry.
1: Is the internet still there?
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see you. <laughs> okay, here. Okay, now it is. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but if they screw you over and you you had to pay for the flight beforehand and you will get it back later and they don't pay you, you're fucked. So I think it's, it's normal that you ask for your fee in advance.
1: Of course. But, th- th- you know, this is a question, you know, um, I have a booking agency, but um how do you say that you know it's the the thing we're talking about is for for artists that are already there that are getting the bookings and the requests you know what i mean yeah this question is made in a context of i am still not there do i need that booking agent right now
0: in that case it's it's worth for the for the network
1: yeah yeah so now, right now, if you're still starting, I don't know if a booker helps because your name is still not there, you know. Mm-hmm. But if your name is there and you had some good releases uh, there, on the of course you need a uh, you need an agent, definitely.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, someone here asks about how you feel about social media, but we've already been through that. Um, he says. I look up to him as a producer but I have no clue how his DJ sets are and I b- I barely see anything on his socials about this. Is this yeah. a conscious choice?
1: Um well if I, you know um maybe yes but maybe it's a part of me being lazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah like like I said we've been through it probably it's probably that yeah.
1: Yeah. And I must also admit I'm I'm not a DJ who's playing like uh uh, uh 10 times a month, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, during the summer and, like, at the end of last year, I had a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And if you see it on my socials, I I put a lot of DJ shows then. Mm -hmm. But uh, normally, I I just go, do the gig. And if the gig is okay or so-so, like a lot of gigs in Holland, Mm -hmm. then I don't post anything. And, you know, that's maybe the the thing. When I'm DJing, I'm not giving away my phone can you please film this or can you please film that? You know, it, I'm not like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to stand with the phone like this. Oh, look at me, the crowd and me, and then no, no, I'm there for the music and the audience, and yeah. that's an, that's something I do, you know, naturally. You know, I, I I don't maybe I should do it. You know, film more of my DJ sets and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's just it's a combination of being lazy and being there for the crowd and not for filming. you yeah. know what I mean? But so yeah. it's
0: it's it's kind of a conscious choice, but you also will start doing monthly mixes from now on, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to put more effort in that, you know. And now we're in the down months, like January, mm-hmm. February, December. That's always a bit down, so you won't sh- you won't see much things of DJ gigs on my socials right now yeah. because I'm more in the studio now. But uh, you know, in this summer and this spring and everything, I'm going to film everything. Okay, really? yes,
0: promise. Yeah, promise. Now it's on video. You're fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, yeah cool that were all the questions actually Um, thanks for taking the time to do this like I said before uh, I really learned a lot of of new stuff about you like we already met a few times but definitely a few things I didn't know about you okay Um, and I'm really interested to see how 2019 will develop for you knowing that you had a breakthrough moment last week yeah Uh, I really believe in those things, you know. Like I really believe in the fact that your mindset matters. Um, yeah. And I feel like you're in a good mindset right now. So I'm really curious to see where this will take you in the in the next year.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for taking the time and uh, good luck, man.
1: You're welcome, mate. <laughs> hey, Bye Bye. Bye.